0: We are so thankful that we can always depend upon our Savior, Jesus Christ. We can always depend upon our Heavenly Father. What a blessing it is to have great confidence in our God in Heaven. Thank you again for being here. If you have your Bible, open it up to 1 Corinthians. We're going to begin our study there in just a moment. Uh, You guys have been our great encouragement seeing you all here today, our brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping God together. And we have a number of visitors from the community. May God bless you for being here. And please stick around after we get done with our worship services. We'd love to talk to you. And and even if need be, set up a Bible study with you. We are striving to teach the Word of God here. And if you have any Bible questions, we'd be more than happy to, to study with you. So thank you for being here. We have people from our community here this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are reminded of what Paul reminded the saints in Corinth about. Paul would talk to them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the importance of it. He said in verse number one, "Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand." Paul had preached the gospel to them back in Acts chapter eighteen, and they would hear the message of Jesus, and they would believe that message and they would be baptized. He said, but which also you are saved. They were saved as a result of that through their faith and through their obedience to the gospel of Christ. If you hold fast the word which I preached to you, he also encouraged them that they needed to remain with God. They needed to remember what they had believed and and to stay with him unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as a first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Paul spoke and preached about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Then he would talk about those who saw Jesus alive after after his resurrection. He said in verse number five, and that he appeared to Cephas, talking about Peter, then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me. Paul was the last to see Jesus on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9, where Jesus spoke to him from heaven. And then in verse number 9, what's interesting is that Paul kind of rehearses his life. He kind of goes back in time and considers who he used to be and what it was, what it is that God and what his son had done for him. And verse number nine, he said, for I am the least of the apostles. And we know all the things that Paul did for the cause of Christ. We know his labor. We know the work that he did. We have his missionary journeys in the book of Acts. We know he did so much. And he wrote so many of the New Testament books, but you see his mindset, you see his attitude. He said, I am the least of the apostles and not fit, not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. We read about that in Acts chapter nine and we read about that in Acts chapter 22, but then notice what he says three times in verse number 10, he's going to speak about the grace of God as he talked about salvation And what these Christians had done to be saved. He he talks now about God's great grace. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Verse number 10, I think, is a very powerful verse as Paul wrote to the saints here. And as he talked about the grace of God, God's grace had changed the life of Paul forever. His life had forever been impacted by this great favor, the great blessings through Jesus Christ and what God had done for him. And brothers and sisters, as you think about who we are in Christ and what God has done for us, God's grace should have a great impact upon us as well. And this morning, what I want to talk about is primarily verse number 10 and what Paul says about the grace of God, God and his grace. And I believe Paul helps us to see that there should be a proper response for us as Christians as we think about the great grace of God. We've been talking about that in the book of Ephesians. and That's been a great study, hasn't it? Being reminded of all these great blessings that we have in Christ and the blessings that we have because of his grace. And so this morning what I'd like to do, I'd like to just kind of walk us through this verse here and verse number 10. And I want you to see how Paul responded and how we should respond because of God and his grace toward us. So in verse number 10 if you notice here and I have the 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 verse on the slide here in verse number 10 Paul said but by the grace of God I am what I am. When I read that text there The first word that comes to mind, I'm going to give you three words that I think should help us out as we think about the grace of God, is that we need to appreciate God and his grace. And I believe that's what Paul was doing here. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. You see, Paul recognized that he was a sinner saved by God's grace. If you go back to verse number nine, he said, I am the least of the apostles. I'm not fit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul, he didn't forget about his past. He moved forward, no doubt about it. But he also knew just how wicked he really was. And he was appreciating what God had done for him. The fact that he had now been saved by God's grace. In Acts chapter 22, I'm I'm reading there in Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse number four. This is what Paul would do throughout his ministry. He would rehearse who he used to be. And, and who he was now in Christ. In Acts chapter 22 and verse number 4, Paul said, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prisons, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. For or from them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there into Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. Do you like knowing, do you like telling people some of the worst things you've done? In your life. Anybody like doing that? Anybody? I mean, either. But that's what Paul does. He opens his, his heart. And he, and he talks to people. Let me remind you. Or let me tell you just how bad I, I used to be. And what Christ has done for me. And so he would rehearse this time and time again. And he would continue on in Acts chapter 22 about how Christ came to him or appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Paul appreciated it. The grace of God. He was the least of his of the apostles, according to him. He was not fit for what he was doing, according to him. And 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 he persecuted the church of God. Yet, despite all of this, it was by God's grace that he was who he was. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. There is no doubt that Paul was sensitive to to his past and the wicked things that he did. He was not bragging about what he was doing. He was ashamed of what he had done. He was trying to serve God, and he was ashamed of, the, of his past sins. And what we find here is that he continued to stand in awe and appreciation of God's grace. Brothers and sisters, I think one of the, the biggest things we can always do as we think about God and his grace is first and foremost, always appreciate what he has given to us what he has provided for us. It is because of God's grace that we are children of God. And we need to make sure that we appreciate that. We need to, you know what we need to do? We need to stop and smell the roses. I mean, we need to truly just stop and understand how good we have it as Christians. It is a blessing to be a Christian. It is a blessing to know that we are in fellowship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And one of the first things we should always do is stop and, and truly appreciate and recognize that 's not because of our own doing it 's not because of who we were or who we are because of what we what we were attempting to do it 's only because of god it 's only because of him, and as a result of this, we should appreciate who we are. the Corinthians that Paul wrote to they had received the gospel, they had believed and obeyed the gospel and Paul I think throughout his two letters here he 's trying to help them to see you got to appreciate What God has done for you. You do remember, remember back in chapter 6 and verses 9, 10, 11. We won't read all of it, but he did remind them of who they used to be. Then he reminded them, but you do remember what God has done for you. You used to live this way. This is who you used to be. Whether it was with fornication or covetousness or drunkards in verse number 9 and 10, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our God. He reminded them of their past and now what it was that God had done for them. And there, was, there, there needed to be a spirit of appreciation There needed to be this appreciation that they had. In fact, go back to chapter 1. He's going to remind them that they had received God's grace. And chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5, 1 Corinthians 1, verses 3, 4, and 5, listen to what Paul said here. Paul said, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus. He was thankful because of, of who they were. And, and by the way, he described them as saints in verse number two, which could be kind of hard to believe when you think about some of the things that you see from this church, but they were saints. They were in Christ. They had received God's grace that in everything, verse five, you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you so that you're not lacking in any gift awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. They had reason to rejoice they had reason to appreciate what it was that God had done for them. But when you read when you start reading the the letter, I don't know about you, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of appreciation. Because what we find in chapter 1, we don't find necessarily appreciation, we find division. And what we find as you continue on in like chapter 3, what we find is that these these individuals, many of them were still going after the lust of the flesh. He had tried to give them Uh, He had to give them milk to drink and not solid food. They weren't able to receive it. They were still fleshly. They were still involved or, or struggling with jealousy and strife among them. This grace that had been given to them should have caused them to have a spirit of appreciation. But instead of appreciation, what it appears like is apathy. It appeared to be like they had great apathy because of what they were involved in. There was a lack of love among them. There was a lack of submitting to the authority of God among them. And, and Paul, he's rejoicing because he truly has grasped God's great grace. And the Corinthians needed to do the same, and we need to do the same as well. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's by his grace that we are redeemed and justified in him. And so I have one question. Do we appreciate who we are? Do we appreciate what he has done for us through his son Jesus Christ. You know, when someone appreciates something, what do they do? They they make it known, right? When someone has done something good towards you, there there needs to be some type of some type of demonstration or something to to understand, you know, I I see this and I understand this and I value this. Thank you for this. I think about Paul Paul appreciated this great gift given to him. Are we making known to God and to others how much we appreciate God's great grace? By grace we have been saved. Are we making this known to God through our worship? Are we making this known through our, through our evangelism, through our everyday lives, just how we live our lives? Is it clear that there is an appreciation of who we are because of Jesus Christ? But, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul recognized the only reason why he was in the position that he was, it was only because of God's grace, and he appreciated God's grace. But that's not the only thing. We think about making this known to others and making sure that God understands that we fully appreciate this. I want you to notice what else he said. And he said, and by his grace, or and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. I love that here. By his grace. And his grace toward me was not in vain. The thing about what Paul is saying here, not only did he appreciate the grace of God, but secondly, because of his grace, he acted. He, was, he, he, was, he moved. He had the proper response because of the grace of God. He said, his grace toward me, it was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than them all. God's grace motivated Paul to act. He used his talents for the service of Christ. His faith and obedience to the gospel, it was not in vain. Three times in this chapter, he uses the word vain. As he talked to the saints in verse number two, he, he's encouraging them by which you are also saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. You haven't believed in vain, have you? Hold fast to what it is that you have heard and received. Then he's going to encourage them at the very end, the last verse of the chapter. He says, therefore, verse number 58, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and moveable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. You don't stop and you don't stop working for me. You continue to act because it will not be in vain. He wanted them to be sure that they had not taken God's grace and that it was not in vain and their relationship with God was not in vain. Paul was very clear that his understanding of what God had done for him, it was not in vain and it caused him to act. In Acts chapter nine and verse number 20, and this is so good. If you are new in Christ, I wanna encourage you. I wanna encourage you to, to follow in the footsteps of Paul here. After Paul was converted, in Acts chapter nine and verse number 20, and it doesn't matter how long you may have been a Christian. This is an example for us. In Acts chapter nine and verse number verse number 20 after paul was baptized the bible says and immediately he began to proclaim jesus in the synagogue saying he is the son of god you see he understood what he had received this great gift that he had received in christ and that forced him or caused him motivated him to act and to begin to talk to people about jesus and that needs to be the response and i'll tell you this This grace was so amazing, and Paul understood the sacrifice of Christ, that he was willing to endure pretty much everything. And 2 Corinthians chapter 11, when you turn over there, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, when I read these verses, I want to know something. How and why would someone go through all of this? Why? It's because they understand how amazing God and his son really are. And this great gift that had been given to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 24. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. You do the math. Five times? Three times I was beaten with rods. Why, Why would anyone continue to go through all of that? Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness. Why are you doing all this, Paul? Because by the grace of God, I am who I am. I am what I am. Dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship. He's walking in pain. Through many sleepless nights, And hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Why does anyone want to go through all of that? Is it even worth it? For Paul, it was because he understood this gift that had been given to him. He had been saved by by God's grace. And he labored for the cause of Christ. He didn't sit on the great gift God had given to him. The second chance, the love that was demonstrated, he got to work. And he had purpose in his life. He acted through sacrifice, through evangelism, through prayer, through building up the saints. He acted even to the point of persecution and eventually death. Was it worth it? Absolutely. So the question for me and for you, Has the grace of God toward us been in vain? All that God has given you and me, all that we have in Jesus Christ, has it been in vain? The things that we have believed, has it all been in vain? God's grace should motivate us like never before, that we need to act. Our desire to love God with all of our hearts should be motivated for what he has done for us. Our desire to love our neighbors should be motivated for what Christ has done for us. Our desire to love one another here should be motivated by the great love God demonstrated on the cross for all of us and because of his grace. You know, forgiveness between brethren, between couples should flow freely because of the grace that we have through Jesus Christ and even being willing to lay our lives on the line. Even being willing to lay our lives on the line for the cause of Christ. Jesus gave his life for us. He gave everything for us. And there should be that natural response. Look at what you have done for me. I'm not even worth it. We don't deserve this at all. And so it should just be this natural, I want to. I understand what he's done. And this is what's going to motivate us to act. But has God's grace been in vain toward us? We need to act. You know, there could be a danger among Christians abusing God's grace. I think about Romans 6. That's the first passage that I always think about. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No. And a thousand times no. But what's interesting, Paul emphasizes that as well in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And verse number 33 and 34. In verse number 33 and verse number 34, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as he talked about the grace that he had received and the salvation that the saints had received, he said in verse number 33, do not be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. That's not a verse merely for young people. it's for all of us. Become, Listen to this. Become sober-minded as you ought and stop sinning. Be sober and stop sinning. Be sober and stop sinning. God's grace should, should motivate us that we want to stop sinning, that we want to draw closer to him, that through his strength and through his power, we can overcome, we can be sober and stop sinning. These Christians had taken God's grace for granted. Stop sinning. And that's a reminder for us that we don't take his grace for granted. That We don't take this great gift for granted and just kind of throw it to the side and say, well, I'll just kind of be there. No, it's motivation for us to be sober and to stop sinning. And you know what? It should transform our lives. It should be all the motivation we need to go out and to act, to talk to people. It should be the motivation we need to forgive one another. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I believe this is going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the brother who was caught in adultery. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul is going to, I think, pick up this whole story here in verse number 6 as he talked about this man in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, and he says, sufficient for such a one is this punishment, which was inflicted by the majority, so that on the contrary, you should rather forgive. He talks about forgiveness in verse 7 and verse 10 four times. Forgive and comfort him, otherwise such a one might be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Wherefore, I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. Verse number 10, but one... But one whom you forgive anything, I forgive also for indeed what I have forgiven. If I have forgiven anything, I did it for your sakes in the presence of Christ. So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. God's grace should have been motivation for them to forgive because they had been forgiven. And those in Christ have been forgiven, and that should motivate us to forgive. And I've I've thought about this verse in verse number 11. So that no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we're not ignorant of his schemes. And you know, I've used this verse before, just doing like topical lessons, talking about the devil and, and how the devil acts and things like that in the schemes of the devil. But this is a really powerful thought when you think about it, isn't it? That his schemes are not just with drinking or with sexual morality, but in the context, he's talking about what? Forgiving. And don't be, don't be ignorant of his devices, because he, he's going to find his way in if he can And so even with something like this, this is how we need to act. Yes, we need to act when it comes to talking to people and and the community and things like that. But we need to act in a variety of ways. And our motivation should be God's grace. Turn over to Matthew chapter 18. I think about the compassion of this man that of a man that was given to him by the king, this mercy and this forgiveness that this man received. And yet he didn't respond accordingly to others. And I think this is a good example for us. As we think about God's grace, it's amazing. We should appreciate it, and it should cause us to act. And we should have the same mindset. In Matthew chapter 18, he said in verse number, Peter asked, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? In verse 21, up to seven times, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment be made. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him saying, have patience with me. and I will repay your everything. Have patience with me. No way he could ever repay this. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him forgave him of the debt. No way he could ever repay that debt. Have patience with me. Come on. But well, that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a 100 denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. His fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have, have patience with me. Sound familiar? Have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling And went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you. I forgave you of all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you who does not if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. We've been forgiven through Christ and we and we should be being willing to forgive others as well, being compassionate and merciful towards others. The grace of God it should cause us to act. Paul said, his grace toward me was not in vain. Has the grace of God toward me or toward you been in vain? Are we acting and, and, and actively willing to do the, the work of God because of just how much he's given to us? Do we appreciate what God has done for us through his son Jesus? We need to act. We need to worship. We need to talk. We need to forgive. We need to be compassionate because of who he is and what he's done for us. Appreciate, act. Now, somebody can read these verses here and say, was Paul bragging? Was he bragging when he said, I labored more abundantly than they all? Hey, look at me. Was he bragging? He wasn't bragging at all. Look at what he said next. And this is my last point. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You see what he's saying here? He is acknowledging that all that he did, it was not about him. It was always all about God. He wasn't boasting about himself. Rather, he's putting the spotlight on God, putting the spotlight on his grace. It was because of God and his grace that he was able to do what he did. He was boasting about his father, not himself. His mindset was not, hey, hey, God, look at what all I've done for you. You should be thankful because of me, right? That wasn't his mindset at all. Thank you, Father, for all you've done for me. That was his mindset. In fact, when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, will you turn over there with me, please? Paul would refer to himself as, as a servant, as a worker. That's how he viewed himself. And that needs to be the, the mindset that we have as we think about God's grace. And as we work and labor in the kingdom of God, it's, it's never about me or you. It's never about, hey, look at me. It's all about Thank you, Father, for what you're allowing us to do. In First Corinthians chapter three and verse number five, he said, "What then is Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. You hear that? Servants, servants from whom you believed. Even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted Apollos water, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. I'm I'm nothing. I'm a servant." but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are God's fellow workers. I'm a servant. I'm a worker. I'm not anything. That's what Paul is saying. It's all about God. It's not about me at all. He acknowledged that the things that he was able to do, it was because of God and because of his grace. Don't you love that spirit? He was humble in nature. He was a man of humility. He relied upon God's grace. And that needs to be our mindset. And all that we accomplish for God, we're nothing but servants of God, striving to do the will according to what Jesus said in Luke 17 and verse number 10. It's not about us seeking praises from others. It's not about us seeking the spotlight on ourselves. But it's all about God and boasting in who he is and the cross and the great grace that was given to us. That's where Paul's heart was. That's where his mindset was. He understood that God is awesome and his grace is amazing and that it should never be taken for granted. And as we think about God and his grace, what are we going to do with all of this? He's given us so much and we need to respond the right way. We got to respond the right way. And that's what the saints in Corinth needed to do. Put aside the lust of the flesh Put aside the jealousy, put aside the envy, the division, and let's serve God, and let's give him the glory. That's what we need to do as well. If you go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I appreciate your attention this morning. We're going to wrap this up here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul would remind them, and we already saw that in the first part, he reminded them that they were indeed saved if they held fast to what they had believed. They had received the truth. But then he also reminds them at the end of what is to come. And I want you to think about this as we leave here this morning, of what is in store for us, for those who are in Christ, what lays on the other side of eternity. There are great things to come. Stop and smell the roses, because being a Christian is fantastic. Blessings now and in eternity. He said in verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on the in, on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Because of his grace, we have something awesome to look forward to one day. We have been saved from our sins. And this grace should motivate us to continue to act, to abound in his work as we await his return. And knowing that what we're doing for him, it will not be in vain. Indeed, it is amazing grace. And let's make sure that we respond to it the proper way. Maybe there's someone here who is outside of Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches by grace, by grace we're saved. And if you want to receive this grace, then you have to do what the Bible says you have to do. And and you have to be willing to submit to what God wants you to do, what he teaches in his word. These Corinthians had heard the word. In Acts 18 and verse number 8, it says that they heard, they were believing and being baptized. That's how they received this free gift of salvation. That's how they received God's grace, where their sins were, were washed away. And that's how you need to receive his grace as well. There's lots of things that are often taught in the world. But this is what the Bible teaches. If you want to receive the amazing grace of God, you must submit to what Jesus says. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Do you need to do that today? He died for you. He died for all of us. And now is your time to respond with obedience to him and to be delivered from your sins. If you need that, if you need to talk more about this, if maybe you don't understand truly who Jesus is, I'd love to talk to you more about who he is so you can understand what you need to do. We want to help you. And if you are ready to become a Christian, now is your time as we stand and as we sing.